Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. This is episode number 53. I am your host, Daniel, and I am here with Jonathan. Before we begin, let's give a round of applause to all of our new and day one listeners. We want to honestly thank you all who have continued to listen and press play at your own leisure. Yeah, recently we've added something new to the podcast intro, and that is when downtime becomes available, we are encouraging people to briefly inform God of one of the many things I'm sure you are thankful for. The truth of the matter is all of us should be thankful for something and take nothing for granted. So you're entitled to join us as we take our 15 seconds to tell God what we are thankful for today. And you may begin. So, Daniel, if you don't mind, would you like to share one thing you are thankful for today? I'm just thankful for opportunity. Okay. Um, I got a lot of things in the works right now, and I love to see when I'm putting in hard work that God is trying his best or he's doing his best to reward me or at least show me what is capable, what is, you know, what he has in store for me. So it's really good to see that when you work hard that you get some type of results, even if it's not the ones that you necessarily want. Just getting the opportunity or the fact that you can see progress is, you know, something I'm really thankful for. What about you? Okay, that's a good one. For me, you know, I'm thankful for adversity. Yeah, I'm thankful for adversity, and here's why, right? So we know adversity is a state of hardship, difficulty, or misfortune that one has to deal with when it comes to life, right? The reality is we will all face adversity. It's part of, you know, life's journey. You can't run away from it and you can't avoid it, right? So in my humble opinion, out of that, I believe adversity comes to make you a better person, right? It comes to make you a person that can adjust. It comes to make you realize that you have to deal with trials and errors, it also comes to make you more of a focused individual, and it makes you more of a person that believes that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This is for, of course, the believer, right? Another thing is, I think the purpose is, is that it's supposed to strengthen you, right? When it comes to adversity, there are six different types of adversity a person can deal with in life, right? One of them is mental adversity, which is when you you're challenged with a possible illness, right? So when we think about different possible illnesses, clinical depression comes up. Bipolar disorder comes up. And I think what seems to be much more identifying, you know, in these these times it would be anxiety disorder, right? You also have emotional adversity. And I'm going to take a deep breath for this. I think what's important and what needs to be established and recognized individually is your value and your self-worth. When you don't know who you are and what you can offer, then there would be a point where you have these out of whack emotions that would take up space in your mind and your thoughts, like anger, frustration, sadness, right? 
we need to control those roller coaster emotions, right? You have to let yourself know that these aren't good for your thought process. And therefore, you can't let other people define who you are and your value. Let's not forget about social adversity, right? When it comes to mingling with others, one another, it's obvious that exercise and communication with one another is extremely important and necessary, right? There are different ways of doing that. The obvious is verbal communication, but then you have nonverbal, which is read by gestures, facial expressions, body language, right? When you communicate, you need to listen. Wait your turn. Try to understand. The purpose is get along, relax, stay calm. All that good stuff, right? It's necessary. All those skills will help you, your conversations become more fruitful and not destructive. Now, there are three more different levels of, of adversity that I think you deal with, right? And I think these are going to hit home a little bit more. You have financial adversity, right? Which is a way, which in a way can be extremely stressful because it has a lot to do with your disposition. When you can't afford the basic things to build a life, then living becomes a very difficult thing at times. Your ego gets hit hard, right? You start to panic. It feels like your world is upside down. You start to look at other people's way of life instead of your own. Then you become jealous, followed by anger. And unfortunately, that way of living is not good, right? You start to blame others, no longer taking responsibility about what's going on with you. And then there's faith adversity, right? So if you believe in yourself, then your confidence and your ability to get the job done can shoot through the roof. On the Truth in the Matter is podcast, we have faith in Christ Jesus. And along with that comes challenges as well, daily, even hourly. So I want to say there are three passages of scripture, because of course, if I'm going to give you faith adversity, I got to give you scriptures to support that statement and i i want to say that there are three passages of scriptures that i think we should go to that gives proper context about faith and being an overcomer and what you have to exercise while operating in your faith so the first text we're going to take a look at is in the gospel of john chapter 16 we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 and we're going to take a look at this in the message bible so daniel i've told you these things to prepare you for rough times ahead. They are going to throw you out of the meeting places. There will even come a time when anyone who kills you will think he's doing God a favor. They would do these things because they never really understood the Father. And I told you these things. So when that time comes and they start in on you, you'll be well warned and ready for them. So for some context here, Jesus at this time is preparing the disciples for the world. What would happen to them as they exercise their faith and operate in it? Those who say, you know, they know God, but don't really know God, is because they will be doing these things to give credit to other gods, not the true God. Now, why do I say that? Because there's a portion of Scripture that says that Jesus makes a statement about, and he says, that if they knew God, then they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory, which is, of course, Jesus himself, right? Another thing is the reason why I encourage people 
to read First John. It's because right there in the passage, right there it is written as clear as day in First John chapter 2, verse 23. And I'm going to read this in the Message Bibles. It says, No one who denies the Son has any part with the Father, but affirming the Son and is, is an embrace of the Father as well. I'm going to read this also to the NIV. It says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So very important discovery, and that is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are different persons, but all in one. Once you see they are different persons, but one in the same, you'll realize that you're always dealing with God. Okay, Hence Colossians 2.9, I'll read this in the NLT. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. If we take a look at this in the King James Version, we see and acknowledge the Godhead. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Again, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one and the same, different persons. So we spoke about the Gospel of John 16, verses 1 through 4. We saw it in the Message Bible. Let's look at this in the English Standard Version, and then following that, we're going to look at John 16, verse 33. I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Now let's look at verse 33. We're going to jump ahead to 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So there's the warning. Now, let's look at this text. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at, no, no, no. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 28. And we're going to read it through verse 39 for context. Context is very important here. So, I'm going to let Daniel take it over again. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What, then, shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us also, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give up all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 
who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, so as believers, we must keep in mind that we are more than conquerors. And therefore, at the adversity we face while keeping our faith in Christ Jesus, there will be challenges. We need to remember that faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. That what is seen is temporary, but what is not seen is internal. That with faith, or without faith, work is dead. Therefore, you have a journey that comes up. And in that journey, there are ups and downs. You have storms that arrive. And in those storms, you get wet. And in other times, you're prepared. But in the end, wearing and having the full armor of God will get you through it all. To the point that when those arrows get shot, you will still stand. And when you get to the point where you keep standing, you will realize that God gave you all that you need. So that you can be victorious and remain standing. Now, the last adversity that I want to mention, and it is actually relatable to the text that we will be reading today, is physical adversity. Physical adversity, which can be a number of things, right? You have the blind, the deaf, those who experience chronic pain, and as a result, find themselves in a fight just to achieve a normal life. And unfortunately, those are some of the things you're going to face in life. And I believe that in facing those adversities, you become a much more effective you. You become a much more, you know, strengthened and overcomer. And as I said, those are just six different adversities in life. Is there any comments or any thoughts or anything you can attest to or you want to expand upon in terms of the adversities, Daniel? I think the biggest one that we're facing today as a people in general is probably emotional adversity. A lot of people have a hard time taking emotional um, accountability for how they respond to adversity in general. And you see it affecting the lives of many people. A lot of people lack the work ethic needed to succeed or to form healthy relationships nine times out of ten. So I think that was probably the biggest one that will help a lot mm-hmm. of people is understanding emotional adversity. Okay, and then I think I also mentioned anxiety <laughs> adversity as well, right? That's a big mm-hmm. thing that's transpiring now, right? The difference between I guess the emotional and the anxiety that a person has to go through or face is that anxiety, I think it's all in your head. Emotional, you have to somewhat 
work through it. You know what I mean? And it's a decision. So in one instance, you're thinking of the worst things to happen, which is anxiety, right, that you're dealing with. And actually, it's not anxiety. It's not, I think I made a statement where I said that it was, it was anxiety, adversity. I think it has more to do with the element of physical anxiety, right? It's under those categories mm -hmm. or I believe it's under those categories that you have to deal with that. No, no, it was mental anxiety. There you go. The mental mm -hmm. anxiety that you're dealing with has a lot to do with the illnesses that you're challenged with, right? I said something about cl clinical depression, bipolar disorder, and anxiety disorder. Yep, that was mental. Yeah, so I think the mental anxiety along with the emotional anxiety is a big thing. But then again, we it's nothing to sneeze at with the financial anxiety because that plays a pivotal role on what your life looks like. And if a lot of times people say the way that you live or the conditions of in which you live can be very much more taxing on the way that you think and the way that you perform, whether it's in school or it's on the job, right? You want to live somewhere comfortable, be somewhere comfortable, so that everything that comes out of it, it comes out of it with confidence, surety in oneself, and performance in one's best ability. So, yeah. So, with that being said, before we move into prayer, yeah, I just want to say, how, you know, how was your week, man? Everything else, you doing right? Mentally, yeah, physically? Everything's, everything's good. Everything's I've been good. Uh, just trying to move to higher stage in my life mm -hmm. and you know it's the second half of the year i know a lot of us may have forgotten our new year's resolutions and things of that nature but you know you still have the whole second half of the year to get it done or get it accomplished so i always look at june as june as the month to refocus and you know get ready to go back into attack mode if you have been out of it and you know accomplish those things that you set out to do at the beginning of the year so Agreed. Good on my part. Uh -huh. I'm I'm in attack mode, and I'm you know I'm getting after it. Uh -huh. And it's the first month of summer as well. So, normally it's that period where people are finishing school, enjoying the summer, and I believe sometime in September or late August they get right back on the ball, whether it's college, or, you know, any form of school unless they take a summer class. So I agree with that. Okay, now that we've discussed. What I'm thankful for, and I'm thankful, by the way, for all those things, right? We're in a position and place in our lives now where we have titles for a lot of those things. Back then, I suppose you could be going through those things, but still going to work, still going to school, and still dealing with them. But now there's a title to some of those things. I'm not saying we we should use some of those things as excuses for getting out of our responsibilities. But it allows you to put a title to what you're stressing about, medication, you have it and you have for it. And then you have a way to work around it and at least know what pushes your buttons or what you're dealing with when you're dealing with other people and how it can affect you negatively. So it's important that when we have titles now and we're able to describe exactly what we're dealing with, there also is a plan to how we can better address it. So, yeah. All right. 
So, of course, we first start with prayer. So, everybody close your eyes and give me some time. So, oh God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done and all you will continue to do for us, whether that is being us individually, for our families, our friends, even our acquaintances. Lord, we appreciate the fact that you caused the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. That you provided for the believer and unbeliever a lot of information and insight about who you are. More importantly, Lord, the truth of the matter is all of us have been given grace, mercy, and justice by you. Lord, you told us that if there was anything we should boast about, let it be that we know who you are. Therefore, Lord, we pray that whoever listens to our podcast, let it be a pathway for them to better know who you are. Let our podcast be a gateway or even an avenue to the source, which is you, Lord. We take no credit for anything, but rather we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, which is how it should always be. Lord, use us as instruments of righteousness, not wickedness. Use us as instruments of righteousness, not wickedness. And with that being said, we say these things with all who are in agreement. Please say amen. 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 So no surprise, right? We are back in the Gospel of Luke series. And we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through 43. And we're going to look at this in an English Standard Version. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, and those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, Have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. Great job, Dan. So when I looked at this passage, and I looked at it over and over and over again, what caught my attention was one thing. And that one thing led to another. And then it led to the main point here. It's because of this, everything else became possible. It's because of this one thing, the blind man was blessed. That is what I want to talk about today. Okay. Now, some people believe that good things come to those who wait, while others believe that if you want something, you got to take it. You got to go after it. I'm here to say that both tactics can work for sure. I just believe they have effectiveness 
under different circumstances. So the one word that makes a big difference in this text is the word curiosity. So let's define this word curiosity. Curiosity is a strong desire to know or learn something. Another thing about curiosity is that it's associated with a high level of positive emotions. Okay. You're basically in a state of wondering. And what follows usually is a learning experience, whether that is good or whether that is bad. When you go back to the text, the first thing that Jesus happens to do is present himself. Right. And what comes with that is his glory. And in that glory, other people acknowledge Christ while he was in that glory. And then you hear a crowd. Now, let's start right there for a second. Now, if I'm looking at the perfect setting or the perfect situation for a blind person, this is it, right? They aren't obviously previewed to watching this happen. Instead, they can hear something happening, right? The blind man obviously has high-ended hearing, right? So if you can't see, your hearing is usually enhanced, right? So we're imagining, we're thinking, as you read this text, to try to understand and, you know, pick apart the significance of the text, right? And as we, you know, go further through the text, the blind man is aware of the fact that the noise has increased. Again, all the things he is sensitive to because of his hearing was then, because he can't see, it allows him to become curious. He wants to learn about what's going on, so he inquires about it. Once he is told that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, then he begins to cry out. Now, let's dig even deeper because now here are a few things that is going on, right? This is real good. There was something I said earlier, and I want to repeat it, right? And that is, some people believe. That good things come to those who wait. While others believe that if you want something, you got to take it. You got to go after it. My question is, why do you think the man cried out? If we look at the phrase to cry out, it means to make a loud sound because of pain, fear, or surprise. Now, the key word there is surprise. I think it's safe to say. He was surprised. Why? Because of the good things that come after. And what I mean is this. If good things come to those who wait, then there's a possibility that he heard about Jesus. And upon hearing, he heard what Jesus was capable of. The issue is he has to encounter Jesus. Right. And we don't know if he encountered Jesus yet. We don't know if they crossed paths yet. So if we go even deeper. We understand the man is blind and can only hear. Now, what if he heard about this man for a while? And because he heard about him often, he pledged to himself and said. That if he made his presence known. Jesus, that would be. That he would cry out to get his attention. 
Now, what if the man made that proclamation to himself? Now, again, we're speculating, right? But there's a couple of clues here in the text that lets you know. He cried out, which means he was surprised. He knew something about Jesus because he wouldn't cry out to a random person. He knew that there was a crowd. He knew that in that crowd, they obviously were glorifying Jesus at the time. So to me, you start pinpointing and piecing together some important things that's going on, right? And I think one could surmise that the man knew of him, was aware of his capabilities, which is why not only was he surprised to know that he, Jesus was on the path in which he was at, but he then cried out to him. Now, when we go back to the text, look at what happens here. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Now, let's start right there again, right? His faith made him well or his faith made him whole. We know that the blind man had faith, right? And we know that having faith doesn't require for you to see, right? You can just believe. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. And the blind, obviously, the man who was blind, couldn't see and yet still believed in Jesus' ability to give him his sight. Now, there's a passage I want to go to in Romans 10 in the English Standard Version. We're going to look at just verse 17. Daniel. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So I truly believe that the blind man heard about Jesus and that's why he placed his faith in him. I believe the reason he inquired it is because one day he had high hopes for seeing and knew Jesus could do it. Why else would he cry out for Jesus the way he did? The text said that those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more. He knew he was close, and at the top of his lungs, he made his presence known. So the phrase that some people believe, Again, good things come to those who wait while others believe that if you want something, you got to take it. You got to go after it. I believe both happened here, but it all started with the fact that the blind man became curious. Curiosity is an amazing thing. It's because of his curiosity, immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So now, this leads me to ask you, Daniel, a question. Has being curious brought you any positive things in life? Do you have anything to share about some moments in which curiosity has happened and positive things thereafter followed? I think all accomplishments in life kind of come from curiosity because you don't know whether or not you can 
even do something. It comes from that curiosity of, of what if, you know, that question of what if can you achieve something or get things done. So I attribute all things in my life to just being curious and, and having faith, honestly, from, you know, getting certain jobs, getting promote, getting certain promotions at work, um, even starting this podcast, you know, that all came from a curious thought of mm. what kind of impact we could have if we was to speak about God. So I think all things come through curiosity, good and bad. Mm-hmm. So if there were any points in my life of the important element of curiosity, like you, I can point to a lot of things, but to be a little bit more particular and specific, one of the things that, you know, because of curiosity, it allows me to be in a better position in life to be a a help to myself and also a help to what I hope to accomplish, I can pinpoint how I got started doing food deliveries. It all started with the fact that I did Postmates prior to ever doing caviar at the time. And I want to speak more to the caviar situation. It was the fact that my dad was actually out working and recognized the food delivery, and he saw a bag with caviar on it. And at the point in time, I had went on three interviews. This was during the summer, which was probably a little bit later into the summertime when I had to get ready for school. And during this period of time, I had I re- remembered going on an interview for Dig, which is a fast food restaurant. I also went on an interview, an interview for Trader Joe. And I also went on an interview, I want to say for a corporate job, or it might have been health first, or it might have been something about, you know, selling homes or whatnot, right? And I realized in all those issues and situations that I was dealing with at the time, they were more concerned about long-term investment. And I knew that at the moment I couldn't do that because I knew I was attending school but I need some money in my pocket but it was something my dad mentioned about caviar and then I applied for it and I applied for it because I realized well if I'm getting paid weekly which is what most delivery services or instantly after you've done work in your shift it allows you to get money faster and at that point in time that's what I needed so it was because of that curiosity I applied I was invited to orientation. I went to orientation. They spoke about needing three years of driving experience. I didn't have that. (laughs) I probably had less than a year. (laughs) But it all worked out. They didn't look or dig any deeper to my driving history. And it was because of that that opened the door to so many different things. Another thing about my curiosities is if I hear noise in my car, I go right after it. I want to see if I can get it fixed. I want to see if something's wrong. I don't keep driving. And I say that that experience taught me because I remember when my first ball joint broke off my car. I told my dad about it. He said, ignore the noise, keep driving. And the car ended up snapping in the middle of the street. So now if I hear noise that's coming from any angle of my car or it's unfamiliar, I always get the inclination that there's something wrong. So I happen to agree with Daniel. Anything along the lines of curiosity is a positive thing, right? It it helps you learn. Same thing I want to say when it comes to me unpacking scripture. 
It's my curiosity, right? And I always speak about that text. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It's all based upon your curiosity to learn more about the word of God. Same thing about cross-referencing. Being able to find multiple texts that help support the narrative or the thought process of one writer and how it's relatable to another writer within, within God's word. So I just want to say for people out there, when it comes to curiosity and you're looking to improve or you're looking to do anything, it's up to you to take initiative. Good things do come to those who wait because you need the right opportunity. But if you want something, you got to go get it. You got to go after it, right? And and I want to share this last thing with you before I make my final thoughts and we get into devotional time. It was a conversation that I was having with my friend Jen on the phone one night, and we were talking about the opportunity for you to have another job or for you to get a job. Some people have a desire to work in certain industries. And if you don't press the issue to find your way into the door, it's not going to come knocking. Not all the time. Especially if you're gifted or talented. Yes, if you're gifted, you know, your talent, your gift will make room for you in certain instances. But you still need the opportunity in order to do, to actually display what you're talented and gifted at. Right. And in this case, if you want to work in photography, if you want to work in computer programming, if you want to be a coach, the way you do that is you go intern. You get your foot in the door. You go get the experience that's needed. If you sit back with those skills, talents, and abilities that you have, but you're not knocking down anyone's door for the chance, you're not going to do that. It was one instance, I believe, Tyler Perry was talking about a woman who came forcefully knocking at the door to get an opportunity to actually, you know, try out for a role. And I'm saying in life, you have to leave room for curiosity because in that, you can be rewarded at the end. And we obviously saw. The man who was blind, haven't heard about Jesus, the door opened. And it allowed him to be in a position where God was able to bless him. Jesus was able to ask him what it was that he needed. And more importantly, he was able to get blessed. Now, there's one thing else that I want to speak to in regards to that text that I think is extremely vital. Right. And I'm going to go to the text. Right. But this one is very important. So give me one second. Okay, so it was exactly in the text we looked at Romans ten seventeen, but for more context, we're going to go all the way back to verse fourteen, and this is what it says: How then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Verse fifteen. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful the feet of those who bring about the good news. Verse 16. But not all the Israelites accept the good news. For Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed in our message. And then I'll reread 17. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard the word about Christ. So it goes to show you that in order for one to even believe in Christ, there has to be the messenger, 
right? And then with the messenger comes a message. Some say, don't read into the messenger, but read into the message. And with that being said, I'm going to close with this statement about just being curious, because that's the title of this podcast. I'm just curious. And this is what I'll say. Albert Einstein said, the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existing. One cannot help but be in awe when he contemplates about the mystery of eternity, of life, and of the marvelous structure of reality. Is it enough if one tries to merely comprehend a little of this mystery every day? Then he goes on to say this. I have no special talent. I'm just passionately curious. I'm not a genius. I'm just curious. I ask many questions. And when the answers are simple, then God is answering. And on that note, let's go to Daniel with devotional time. Do you ever look at the difficulties and trials in your life and then start talking to yourself? At some point or another, you may have thought, there's no way out of this. Things aren't going to get better. At least not anytime soon. This is just the way things are going to be for me and there's nothing I can do about it. This just isn't fair. Well, in the book of Psalms, chapter 42, Verse 5, and we're going to read it out of the NIV version. It says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know to be careful not to listen to the voices of the world and of the devil. But it's also important that you don't allow your own voice to drown you out, your Heavenly Father. When you find yourself muttering about the hopelessness of your situation, turn your attention to the Lord, who is big enough to take control of everything going on around you. As the Apostle Peter said, cast your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. Another thing that I would like to say is that anxiety usually comes from inaction. So step, go forward, and find out if there was any reason to be worried or concerned in the first place. The cure to anxiety is to take action. And when you take action, remember that God favors the bold. So we'll say this little prayer. Dear Lord, forgive me for dwelling on my difficulties and thinking negative thoughts. Help me to trust that you will turn these situations around. Help me not to lose hope. And all those in the group in agreement say, Amen. Amen.